Welcome to the B2B Mix Show with Elena and Stacy. Each week, we'll bring you ideas that you can implement in your own marketing strategy. We'll share what we know and advice from industry experts who will join us from time to time here on the show. Are you ready to mix it up? Let's get started. Hi, everyone. It's Stacy Jackson here. And I'm Elena Jackson, and I'm also Stacy's younger sister. We are the co-founders of Jackson Marketing, and we are bringing you episode 24 of the B2B Mix Show. Stacy, what's today's topic? You know, before I announce it, I want to point out that you've never called out how I'm older than you before. Uh, <laughs> I was trying to mix it up a little bit so I didn't, we didn't say the same thing all the time. Okay, today we're talking about the incredible power of podcast content marketing. We've got a podcasting pro joining us, Carrie Green of Podcast Fast Track and Narratively. He'll be sharing his insights and advice on this topic. Elena, why don't you introduce Carrie to our listeners? Carrie is a former pastor turned entrepreneur. He's created a handful of online businesses since 1993, with the most notable serving the podcasting industry. Podcast Fast Track is a full service production and show notes creation service that takes the time suck out of podcasting for many clients each month. And Narratively is a new narrative interview style production house aimed at helping influencers, brands, and C-suite execs podcast bigger and podcast better to amplify their message and presence in their industry. He's been married to the love of his life for over 30 years and has five kids, a son-in-law, daughter-in-law, and three grandboys and travels the U.S. in his RV full-time with his wife and youngest daughter. That's our dream, by the way, Carrie, is to do that same thing. So, Carrie, welcome. Hey, well, come on. I know, right? Yeah. Welcome to the V2Me Mix Show. Hey, I appreciate it. It's so good for the two of you to invite me here. Uh, Carrie, before we get started, would you like to share any additional background about yourself or Narratively or Podcast Fast Track and any fun stuff about traveling in the RV, too? <laughs> well, I just am always happy to talk about any of those topics. Uh, traveling in the RV, we've only been doing since December of last year, so it's not even a year yet. But we are just loving it, just the places we get to see and the people that we get to enjoy. And it dovetails really well with the businesses that I run because they were remote to begin with because all of our deliverables are digital. And so it was kind of an easy transition to just sell the house, have an estate sale, sell all of our stuff, buy the RV and get rolling. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, that's something we've talked about doing. We should rent an RV and just travel across the U.S. and because we can work from wherever. So that would be something that that. We definitely want to try out sometime. <laughs> yeah, it's not as hard as people think. I mean, there's a couple of mindset shifts you have to make in order for it to be really fun. But uh, most people can do that. No problem. So what about Podcast Fast Track and Narratively? You want to tell us a little bit more about those? Yeah, well, Podcast Fast Track, I've been running since 2003, 2000, or not 2003, 2004. That's when podcasting started. <laughs> I've been running Podcast Fast Track since about 2013, and we've been serving clients with audio production, show notes, consulting, launch services, all of those things that you typically would find in a podcast production house. But we focus mainly on really building relationships that are going to last with our clients because we don't see it as a transactional thing. We see it as a relational thing and we want to serve clients in that way. So that's kind of our hallmark there. And then just recently, I've begun noticing some shifts that are taking place in the podcasting industry. 
that surround the way that podcasts are produced and what I think is coming down the pike. And I don't have any crystal ball, but I've created this company narratively kind of as a response to what I see coming. And it's aimed at helping podcasters up the game on their production level because brands are really changing the way people consume podcasts and why they consume podcasts. And so the much higher level of production is going to become the standard, I think. And uh, it's going to be important to have a way to do that. That isn't just the same old, same old that everybody's doing. Right. I think that's key because I think that's one reason a lot of people don't start a podcast is because they're like, well, I don't want to do what everybody else is doing. Yeah. (laughs) So let's go ahead and dig into some of the things that we wanted to talk about. And I think the first one we want to touch base on is the background around podcasting and the growth that we're seeing. I looked at a Nielsen report and it said that like over 750,000 podcasts are out there right now. And as of 2019, that's that's kind of crazy. Sounds like a whole lot. So do you have any insights that you can share with us on the growth of podcasting? Yeah, well, you know, it began back in 2003, 2004, when only geeks who knew how to code <laughs> could put a podcast out. And it's come a long way. I mean, now you can pretty much click, record and publish all within a very short span of time. That's not always in the best formats. With the best quality, but it can be done. Like you said, over 750,000 podcasts in existence. I think to moderate that number a little bit, there's only around 330 of those that are currently publishing on a regular basis. So the pool is a little smaller than it sounds at first. But we also have to take into account that there are many of those shows who publish sporadically on purpose by publishing seasonally or doing bulk episode drops at once and then working on another season and doing it again. So the number is probably closer to 400, 450,000 in my estimation. There's likely a podcast on any topic out there, as you probably both know. And if not, maybe your listeners should start it if they can think of a podcast that needs needs to be published. (laughs) Um, There's podcasting in all varieties of lengths and episode types. I mean, everything from three minutes per episode to six hours per episode. Oh my goodness. And interestingly, for the first time ever in 2019, over 50% of the American public says they've listened to at least one podcast. Mm -hmm. And so that tells us where we're going. We're headed up. Right. And one of the most interesting stats that I came across recently was that a survey was done of people who listen to podcasts uh, asking a variety of questions. And 14% of the people who were polled mentioned the Joe Rogan Experience podcast mm. without any kind of prompting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Joe's, Joe's been at this for 10 years. So that tells you something about how podcasting works. It's a it's a relational thing that builds over time, like much of content marketing does. So you mentioned that there's podcasts going from three minutes to six hours. That's crazy. I know that Neil Patel does a five minute podcast. Is there like a sweet spot that seems to be people will tend to listen this length of time or any anything like that that you've noticed? I probably wouldn't make it through the six hour one. <laughs> No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, the six-hour podcast that I refer to is called Hardcore History, and it's been around for a long time. It's a guy telling stories from history, and he's a very good storyteller, by the way. And his podcast is a very popular podcast. He has tens of thousands of downloads, so it's really amazing. But back to your question, I think the answer to your question depends on what your goal is with your podcast episodes. I have, for example, a daily devotional kind of a podcast that I publish uh, that's up to 15,000 subscribers right now. Mm -hmm. But it's 
only a five-minute show. It's intended to be a five-minute show because it's just like a little mindset reset every morning for people to get thinking right about themselves and about the day. So, you know, that's very different than a six-hour history podcast in terms of its purpose. So, in terms of Sweet so Spot- I'm going to have to subscribe to that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate that. It's uh, It's been a lot of fun to produce. But, you know, in terms of a sweet spot, I don't know that there is one. I hear many people say, you know, I can't listen to a podcast that's any longer than my average commute or my average workout. And I get that. You know, people like to consume in one chunk. But that's partly the beauty of podcasting is you can always hit pause and then resume where you left off. Mm -hmm. And many podcasting apps enable you to do that across devices. So it's becoming less and less of a barrier for the length to be an issue. That's true. And I think it probably depends on, if, is it nonfiction? Is it entertainment? Is it business? There's some entertainment ones that I could listen to for hours because they're just great stories. Oh, yeah. So I probably could listen to the history one, but, <laughs> but I couldn't listen to Elena and I drone on for six hours. <laughs> 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 Wait a minute. What are you saying? Yeah, yeah. There is such a thing as a long form interview, but I've never heard one that long. So one thing I know that people struggle with sometimes when they're thinking about starting a podcast is do the audiences that I want to target actually listen to podcasts? Do you know, are there, are there good resources where people should be looking into that information? Should they be surveying their target audience? How would you recommend they find out about, are my intended listeners actually listening to podcasts? Yeah, that's a great question because it mm -hmm. is smart in the sense that it's taking the principles of marketing and applying it to podcasting. You know, you don't want to build something because you think it's a good idea. You want to build something because you know it's a good idea. And so I think you're right on target there. You should ask your target audience if they listen to podcasts. Uh, you can use mailing lists, social media, even phone calls directly to your ideal clients and find out. Because really, if you're in this for B2B purposes, you want the people listening to be like your ideal client. You want them to be people who you can serve really, really well, not just through your podcast, but hopefully through some pay-for services in time. So find out from those ideal clients, are they listening? Who, who do they listen to? What do they listen to? And that will give you a really good idea of the kinds of things your ideal market is going to be consuming. Uh, you can also research it to a degree. Edison Research always puts out an annual report called the Infinite Dial, which is an assessment of what's happening across the board on the internet and social media, podcasting, all different kinds of channels. And they have some stats in there about types of shows that are popular and in what regions of the country they're popular and things like that. So you really have to dig into it, but there is information out there. I think also that given that 51% of the American public has said they've listened to at least one podcast in years to come, it's going to be fairly safe to assume that your audience is listening to podcasts. They just may not be aware of the particular topics you speak on being available via podcasts. You mentioned story podcasts and entertainment kind of podcast fiction. I mean, those kinds of things are what a lot of people are consuming. But if they knew that they could learn valuable things and be educated in areas that they're interested in via a podcast as well, I think they would jump right on board. Do you think that the fact that 
more and more Americans are listening to podcasts mean that people need to make a decision now if that's something they want to pursue? Will it be harder to do later? Well, I definitely think in the future it is going to be harder. I think there's still plenty of room for new podcasts. And we'll probably discuss here in a bit some of the best practices that people should be keeping in mind as they do that. But, you know, the, with production value and, and quality of shows going up all the time, it's, I mean, it's just like movies. They're going to get better and better all the time. And so that's going to force listeners to make decisions about what they're going to spend their time listening to. And I guarantee you quality is going to win out over content, sadly to say. Sometimes there will be terrible content, but great quality and people will listen to it and vice versa. Great content, but terrible quality and they won't listen. For B2B or business in general, I was looking at a chart of like podcast genres and like business was obviously the lowest one, but it does have like 52 million, at least one person a household of 52 million households listening. So what types of results should like a B2B company expect from incorporating a podcast into their content strategy? Well, I think that the first principle anybody doing a B2B podcast should keep in mind is that it's a long game. Uh, think of podcasting as the beginning of your lead nurture cycle or your buying journey process. It's part of the content marketing and sales enablement materials that you're providing to your potential clients. And so you don't want to see it as a thing that, well, I've published 10 episodes and I haven't sold anything and, and therefore make a decision that's not for you. I mean, that's not how to look at it. It's like any good marketing. You've got to put work into it. You've got to do it over time and you've got to see the results come over time. Um, what I've seen is as you make connections through your podcasts, both with guests and with listeners, opportunities are going to arise. Uh, one suggestion that I make to B2B podcasters all the time is to invite guests on your show who are your ideal client in hopes that you can strike up the beginnings of that relationship that will build trust so that when they need the services you offer, they immediately think of you because you did such a good job featuring them on your show. I've seen podcaster after podcaster do that and come out with these long lasting relationships. And that really is the point to answer your question is that as you make those connections with future clients, your ROI is eventually going to be calculated in lifetime value of that client. And any marketer or any agency can calculate that for their average client. Well, just consider that as a, a game or a, a target that you're shooting for is you want to produce more relationships that can result in a lifetime value of a client for you. Right. And that's a better way of starting those relationships as opposed to sending them a LinkedIn oh, totally. connection and immediately trying to sell them on something because that immediately makes somebody turn away. But you're asking them to share their advice and things that are working in their company and engaging with them on a level that they feel comfortable with. And I think that that's a great and showing them you realize their value. Right. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And I don't really know what it is right now. And I think it's probably going to change as podcasting grows. But right now, if you were to ask someone to write you a blog post for your you'd probably get a thousand no's for every yes. But if you ask someone to be a guest on a podcast, you'll get 990 yeses for every thousand that you ask. It's just something about podcasting right now that's very appealing for people. Mm -hmm. It's funny what you said about making a decision on whether it works after 10 episodes. I had a contact ask me, so are you seeing any results yet? And I think at that point, we were only five episodes in. I'm like, no, <laughs> I didn't expect to, though, <laughs> at this point. Yeah, you know, there are exceptions to that rule. I have a few clients who mm -hmm. 
you know, very shortly into their podcasting career have seen huge results, but it's not the norm. That's for sure. I guess you could count that as a myth that you'll immediately have success, except for in rare cases. What are some other podcast myths that we need to bust? I mean, I think a lot of people think about, oh, I'll get famous or sponsors will pay me a lot of money. I'm still waiting for the fame and money. So, (laughs) 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 or maybe it's just me. (laughs) Yeah, well, I... Yeah, I definitely think there are a handful of myths that need to be busted. Uh, The first one is kind of a field of dreams philosophy, you know, record it and they will come. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's not true. (laughs) It's not true at all. Hard work's involved in the strategy, in the production, in the marketing, if you're going to do it right in a B2B context, especially. There's another myth, I think, out there that you, you alluded to that sponsorships are where the money is. Uh, I would argue with that. I mean, for select shows, maybe that's where the money is. But for most podcasters, that's not going to be where they make their money. It's going to be through the promotion of their products and their services and their average client value that they're able to build off the back of the podcast. Because think about it, that's not some percentage you're getting from a sponsor. That's the entire cost of your product or service or whatever you take in as profit. You don't have to share that with anybody. And so to me, that's the way most podcasters should be going. Another myth that I hear quite often is, well, editing's not really needed because I want it to be raw. I want it to be more authentic. You know, to me, that's a preference issue. Facts don't bear that out. Uh, Statistics and even research in, in data science centers have shown that the higher quality the audio, the more people actually trust the people producing the audio. It's really amazing that there's science to back that up. And so taking out all the filler words, taking out stumbles, making it more professional without sounding edited is really a skill that people need to invest in. And then I think there's one more that is still debatable. The jury is still out, but I think this is where we're headed. A lot of people believe that interview format's the way to go. I think it's becoming less and less effective, and there's many reasons for that. Some of it is the quality of the interviewer or interviewers, you know, the questions that they ask just aren't that interesting or they don't know how to ask interesting questions. Sometimes it's the relevance of the topics, but I think more than anything is that there are a flood of interview shows out there because it is a low barrier to entry. One of my clients, Nick Loper, has mentioned that interviewing is like the gateway drug into podcasting. It's a low barrier to entry. You can do it. You can invite people and just ask questions and have a show going really soon. But it's becoming good at interviewing. That makes a difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there are a lot of interview shows. Well, I know we may have to change our format. (laughs) (laughs) In time, perhaps. Hey, folks, let's take a break to hear about today's sponsor. And we are back. What are some of those benefits of podcasting for the brand and the host? Yeah, that's a great thing to keep in mind because there's strategy behind this, right? You want to be doing this for a reason. And if you know the benefits that are possible, you have a better way of honing in on the exact goal that you're shooting for. And so some of the things I've seen possible is you know, raising awareness of yourself in terms of an authority or thought leadership kind of a figure in your industry. Uh, That would be for the host or for, for anybody that's on the show, really. Raising awareness of your industry and of your company within your industry, I think that's huge. There are clients that I regularly work on their shows who are now, because of their podcasts, I would argue, big names in their particular industry because more people know about them. Whereas before they were struggling to meet the bottom line, they were, 
you know, fighting to get recognition, but because of a podcast in a space that didn't have many, they were able to position themselves in a place to be an authority. Out of a podcast as well, many hosts or people who publish get speaking opportunities, and that may not sound like a huge deal. But when you can stand on a stage in front of three or 400 or 500 people who are focused on your industry or niche, and you can be seen as the authority, man, there's a lot of potential business that comes out of that. And then finally, I've mentioned this already, but inviting your buyer persona to be a guest on your show, I think is one of the greatest advantages, greatest benefits of podcasting, because you're able to strike up that initial relationship that's going to be the foundation for the trust you need in order to serve that client later. And I think that's just a huge asset that any podcaster could have on their radar. If a company or an individual isn't ready to do their own podcast, do you think just trying to pitch and get on other people's shows is a good, at least, way to get started in podcasting? We interviewed Liam, Liam Martin from Time Doctor, and he was promoting a conference, and he did like 300 interviews between February and May. And he said it was phenomenal giving him exposure for his conference that he was doing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great way to go if you don't feel you're ready to produce your own show. But I would kind of argue with that contention. Most B2B people or people who have a business that serves other businesses have already a vault of content of one sort or another. They just need to figure out how to repurpose it into an audio format. And I think it's easier done than they think it is. And it's probably uh, much simpler in terms of the technology and all that, you'd need a, you know, a VA and a, and a couple of people in your staff to help think out the strategy. And you could have a podcast going, I would argue, within 30 days. That's one thing that came up on LinkedIn, I think it was last week or the week before. I had published or shared one of Stacy's articles about ways to repurpose your content. And one of the things that was on there was, you know, take some of your content and make it audio. And somebody was like, well, there's no way I can do that. That would be way too much. And I think that that's kind of like what you're saying is that a lot of people think it's a lot more involved than what it would really be just to start something simple like that. So I think that that's something that people need to consider is repurposing their content in an audio format and they can even make that into a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. And for people who say those kinds of things to me, I, I just think they haven't thought it through. Uh, they've got this imaginary hurdle in their mind about the technical side of what it takes to do that and all that. But I'm telling you, if you've got a $70 microphone and can read out loud and can upload something to Dropbox, you have what it takes to start publishing audio content. I can empathize with that person because for years I thought, well, maybe we should do a podcast, but then I would tell myself, well, we can't afford the equipment or we don't know how to do it. So I can appreciate where they're coming from, but if we can figure it out, <laughs> they can too. <laughs> Right. So what are some best practices that you'd recommend, Carrie, to people who want to make podcasting part of their content marketing? Yeah, I would say, first of all, be strategic. You have to know who your listener avatar is. It's kind of like a buyer persona. You want to figure out who am I speaking to and why am I speaking to them? What's the need I'm trying to meet for them? Because when you have that clearly in mind, a lot of the decisions around how you format and how you structure your podcast and even how frequently you publish will be answered because you know so much about the person you're trying to reach. I also would advise people to consider publishing a format that will enable you to stand apart. We could argue on both sides of this, but the five-minute podcast and the six-hour podcast both have a format that will enable them to stand apart because they're not right in the middle. 
and they appeal to the specific type of person that particular podcaster is aiming for. That's why they're doing episodes of that length. Mm -hmm. So consider a format that will enable you to stand out from the crowd in your industry. What I would encourage people to do is subscribe to the top 10 podcasts in your industry or field of study and listen to them and then do something different than they are doing. Another thing is, this is something I alluded to a little earlier, brands have come into podcasting and they have raised the bar because they have the money to pay professional production houses like Narratively or other businesses to produce this on a high quality level. And what that means is that the average, you know, I recorded this in my garage with my brother, sort of a podcast is going to have to compete with that sort of quality. And we know who's going to win. It's just like when you go on Netflix and you see all the the shows that they're showing you there that you can watch. You don't usually dig down layer after layer after layer to find that B-grade movie that Netflix has available because there's just so much else taking up your attention before you get to it. That's the way podcasting is going to be in time. And so mm -hmm. because of that bar being raised, I think we all as podcasters need to take Steve Martin's advice when he was asked, how can someone get their start in showbiz? How can they catch a director's eye? You know, all that stuff. His response was be so good they can't ignore you. And that's what we've got to do as podcasters. We got to figure out what is it we can do so well that our industry simply can't ignore us. So don't skimp on quality. Don't be afraid of taking a novel approach. Uh, just jump in and be creative. Uh, podcasting is very forgiving. You know, if you do two or three episodes of a certain style and it doesn't resonate with your audience, hey, you can change it. You're the one who holds the keys to that gate. You can open and close it up on your own whims. So do it. Experiment. Figure out. Let's talk for just a moment about guest interviews. I know a lot of people do guest interviews, and I think for a time it's still going to be pretty effective. But if you're going to do guest interviews, you need to make sure you leverage that opportunity to the very best that you can. I've already mentioned inviting your buyer persona or your ideal client to be a guest on your show. I can see how in some cases or topics it may be hard to figure out a reason why they would be a guest on your show. You know, what are they going to talk about? What are they going to deliver that's of value to your audience? Well, in my mind, all those questions can be figured out. You can find a reason to have that person on your show and you need to do it because that relationship is so valuable. I would also recommend on those guest interviews, require your guests to be professional about it. Communicate about your show in that way. So you're going to say things like, I'll need you to use an external microphone. I'll need you to be in a room that's not echoey. I'll need you to be on time for the interview. I mean, it sounds pushy, but it's not because you're B2B people. You're professionals. You need to present your show professionally and they will take it professionally as well. Also, as you're doing the recording, make the interview about your listeners. Make it something they are going to enjoy. So ask for stories. Dig deeper. Ask your client to tell you about a time when such and such happened that he just mentioned. Or not client, a guest is what I meant to say. You know, you want to get that audio to be something that listeners really love to listen to. And then when it comes to the promotion side, after the recording's all done, make the promotion about your listeners and about your guest. You want to highlight that guest in the very best way possible. You want to speak about them in glowing terms. And of course, you want to be sincere in all of this, but you want to promote what they're promoting. You want to get on their bandwagon because when you become an advocate for them, the law of reciprocity, they turn around and they start becoming an advocate for you. And that's what you want. You're not, you're not giving to get, but that's just how it works. You want to be generous toward them and they'll be generous toward you. And then finally, too many people forget about this when it comes to a guest on a, a podcast episode. If they have an assistant, well, first of all, find out if they have an assistant. 
when you first set up the interview. If they do, leverage that person. I mean, think about an assistant's job. Their job is to make their boss successful, look more professional, uh, come across well to clients and, and potential clients. You want to tap into that and and talk with them, interact with them about sharing and getting things out about the episode. because. I guarantee you they'll have a lot more time than your guests did to do those things. And they'll probably be 100% more effective at doing. And then finally, just remember, podcasting is about building relationships, both with guests and listeners. And it's a long game. Be patient. Keep doing great work. And just like good marketing, it's going to have results in time. I have a question for you about podcast networks, I guess, like Wondery or Gimlet or others. Maximum Fun, are those something that a business podcast would ever need to get involved with or want to get involved with, especially as more and more people in brands start podcasting? Yeah, that's a great question because it does have to do with where the future of podcasting is going. Brands are changing the way podcasting is done by producing branded content in a way that does not repel listeners. So in other words, they're subtle advertisements that people want to listen to. And it's because they're done so well. Some examples, there's a show called Choiceology that I listen to quite often. It's put out by Charles Schwab and it's about how we make decisions and why we do the things we do. And it's just a very compelling and interesting show. It's put out by one of those professional production houses like you're talking about. There's other shows like The Message put out by GE a couple of years ago. And it's I love that. Yeah, it's a fictional story. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, it's a science fiction mm-hmm. kind of a story. Has nothing to do with GE. But I guarantee you the next time I walk into a Best Buy and I see a GE television on the shelf, I'm going to trust that television because I trust that GE puts quality into their products because the show they produced was high quality. I mean, it's kind of this roundabout relationship. And so to answer your question more directly, Gimlet, Wondery, all these places, our company narratively is another. These are places podcasters can go to produce those kinds of episodes when the time comes. And I think as brands elevate the entire ocean of podcasting, we're all going to have to get more serious about that. And sadly, it's going to be harder and harder for the independent podcaster to compete. So we have one more thing to ask you, and it's, it's, it's very important. All right, let's do it. And it's a just for fun question. <laughs> if you were not founder and CEO of Podcast Fast Track and Narratively, what would be your dream job? Oh, man, dream job. I had my dream job for about 20 years as a pastor in local churches. It was one of those things where, you know, I just love the Bible. I love teaching it. I love coming alongside people. And that calling just kind of disappeared for a, for a season now. And I, I don't know what that's all about because this entrepreneurial thing is a whole lot of fun. But, you know, if I weren't doing what I'm doing right now and, and money wasn't an object, I'd probably just be teaching and promoting things on the internet uh, to help people grow in their faith. And I can relate to that. That's something I would I would enjoy as well. <laughs> well, Carrie, thank you so much for taking time to speak with us today. If our listeners would like to follow you online or get in touch, what's the best way for them to connect with you? Well, the best way to find me is usually through the main company website, which is podcastfasttrack.com. You can find the contact button there. All of our social media uh, buttons are there as well. If you want to reach out to me directly, uh, you could do that via email probably is best. I'm still one of those weird people who answers my own email. And so it's Carrie, C-A-R-E-Y, at 
narratively.com and that's N-A-R-R-A-T-I-V-L-Y.com. And if I could offer something to your listeners, if there's anybody out there who's interested in starting a podcast and is kind of a do-it-yourself person who will actually watch some videos, do some worksheets and, and put it in place step by step, uh, I have a free course for them. It's called How to Podcast Step by Step. It's exactly what it sounds like. By the time you finish the course, if you do the work as you go, you'll have a podcast ready to publish by the end of that course. So if you email me at that at that address, carry at narratively.com and mention that you heard about the, the course on B2B Mix, awesome. uh, I'll be happy to send you that course. And I, I might caution you as well. Uh, we've been having some email problems lately. So if you don't hear from me after you email me within, say, 24 hours, 48 hours, check your spam. That's probably where it went. And that is a great offer because we've had a few people ask us what they need to do to start a podcast when they saw that we started one. So I think that that'll be good for some of our listeners. Yeah, wonderful. So thank you for that. You bet. All right, people, that is a wrap. If you want to get in touch with me or Stacy, you can hit us up on social. On Twitter, you can find Stacy at Stacy underscore Jax. That's S-T-A-C-Y underscore J-A-X. You can find me at Elena underscore Jax, A-L-A-N-N-A underscore J-A-X. And if you're not a Twitter fan, you can always look us up on LinkedIn. And finally, you can leave us a voicemail through the Anchor mobile app or on the Anchor website. So we look forward to hearing from you and maybe we'll feature one of your voicemails on our podcast someday. Have a great week. The B2B Mix Show is hosted by Stacey Jackson and Elena Jackson of, you guessed it, Jackson Marketing. If you need help with your B2B inbound marketing efforts, visit us at jacksonmarketingservices.com.